Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at bite.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. We have a lot to get to. I don't know if you know, but right now our country is sort of like a shit show inside a train wreck that just hit a dumpster fire. And we're going to be taking on all of it. But I want to begin right here, welcoming you to the show and talking about, well, a certain Christian sect that supports sexual abuse and was founded on a pro-slavery stance that happens to be the largest Protestant denomination in America. I'm talking about the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, normally I take on the Catholic Church a lot more. And again, full disclosure, I'm a big fan of Jesus, big fan of God. I'm not an atheist. I actually like to use the Bible against these fundamentalist cretins. I believe in thumping Bible thumpers with the Bible. We have a lot of atheists on the show. I love atheists. I believe in them. Some of the best Christians I know are atheists. And some of the most godless heathens I know flaunt their piety and can't shut up about how Christian they are. And I've always said, Nobody hates like a Christian who's just been told their hate isn't Christian. The Southern Baptist Convention is the world's largest Baptist denomination. It's the largest Protestant and the second largest Christian denomination in the entire USA. About 14 million members in 47,000 churches. And they came into being in 1845 as the main church of Southern slaveholders. Uh, The founders of this school, all four of them, were deeply involved in slavery, totally complicit in defense of slaveholding. In fact, the only reason a separate Southern Baptist denomination got formed in this country, did you know this, was because Northern Baptists refused to appoint slaveholders as missionaries. And this isn't even a bit about slavery. At the time, some of the Southern Baptists in 1845 argued that slavery was just in the best interests of slaves. It was God-ordained, the institution. The seminary leaders of the Southern Baptists opposed Abraham Lincoln and his election. They argued In favor of secession, they said secession was the only hope of preserving slavery. So they've had issues with racism for a long time. 
But I want to talk a bit about their issues with the abuse of women and children. Russell Moore is a public theologian and uh, for most of the last 10 years, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's very conservative. And you might have heard of Mr. Moore because about two years ago, he wrote a letter. He's one of the most influential evangelicals in America, wrote a letter, and he sent it to the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission's Board of Trustees, pretty much indicting the Baptist Executive Committee. He resigned from being a Southern Baptist. His letter was leaked to Religion News Service a few weeks after he resigned. And people at the time thought he resigned because the Southern Baptists went so crazy for Donald Trump. And again, folks, it's not possible to follow the guy named Jesus in the Bible, um, whether you believe in him as literal fact or not, and support the policies of Donald Trump. And I invite our conservative friends to call anytime and tell me why I'm wrong. You cannot follow Trump and follow Jesus. Anybody who thinks you can follow both of those guys hasn't read either of their books. But he didn't resign because of Trump. Turned out when this letter was leaked, he resigned because he had taken stands against sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Church and on their history of racism. And it infuriated the executive committee. And he wrote, the presenting issue here is that, first and foremost, of sexual abuse. This executive committee, through their bylaws work group, exonerated churches from serious charges of sexual abuse cover-up. And he talked about how these tactics have been used to create a culture where countless children have been torn to shreds, women have been raped and broken down. And then he's also said the other absolutely draining and unrelenting issue has been that of racial reconciliation. My family and I, this is a white man, my family and I have faced constant threats from white nationalists and white supremacists, including within our convention. Some of them have been involved in neo-Confederate activities going back for years. Some are involved with groups funded by white nationalist nativist organizations. Some of them have just expressed raw racist sentiment behind closed doors. He quit because of the racism and mainly because of the sexual abuse and the cover-ups of the sexual abuse. So last year, Southern Baptists had their big convention in Nashville, and they voted to approve of a task force that would supervise a totally independent investigation about all these stories of abuse that have been in the media. This investigative firm went through all the documents and interviewed a lot of the staff and interviewed witnesses, abuse survivors. About 330 people were interviewed. They investigated just a period from 2000 through 2021, and they found a lot. The report was just released yesterday by this third-party firm. And more or less, for 20 years that we know of, leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention routinely silenced and trash-talked sexual abuse survivors. It's a 400-page investigation. They mishandled allegations of sexual abuse. They intimidated victims. They resisted any attempts at reform and kept covering it up. Survivors of abuse and other people in the community contacted the executive committee to make them aware of child molestation and rape committed by people employed by the church and people who were at the pulpit. And nothing was done but deception and stonewalling and intimidating the victims and those calling for reform. This is huge. There were so many who said that it was wrong to say sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention was a crisis. That's what Russell Moore said yesterday. This report reveals the crisis is too small of a word. This is an apocalypse, an unveiling, a meltdown. The only people happy about this are certain Catholics. Now, the allegations of all the sexual abuse and assault were placed in a secret file 
in their headquarters in Nashville. There were over 700 cases. Nothing was done to stop any predators in the church as they continued their crimes. And it turns out staff members were told to not even engage people who were asking about how to stop their children from being sexually violated by a minister. And instead of using the database to protect victims of sexual abuse and rape, it turns out the database was for the church leadership to protect themselves. Survivors and others who reported abuse were ignored, disbelieved, or met with the constant refrain that the SBC could take no action due to its policy regarding church autonomy, even if it meant that convicted molesters continued in ministry with no notice or warning to their current church or Todd congregation. They did exactly what the Catholic Church did. They just pushed paper. They did nothing. I mean, leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention, including Pastor Jack Graham, when they learned about the allegations of sexual abuse, instead of reporting them to authorities, they stonewalled and they lied about the victims. Who does that remind you of? Reminds me of Donald Trump. 700 abusive pastors. And they chose to protect themselves from lawsuits rather than protect their own members from further abuse. Sounds like the Catholic Church quite a bit, doesn't it? The EC, the Executive Committee, is governed by 86 trustees. And they all serve limited terms. And during this investigation, their internal investigation, any decisions regarding sexual abuse were left to the discretion of the Executive Committee president and CEO. Like two or three guys were in charge of all of it. And they mishandled all the investigations. They didn't call the cops for anything. Nobody was fired. They shunned accusers to make them appear in an unflattering light. And they mischaracterized allegations of abuse as much as they could. And they kept doing it year after year after year. One of the senior leaders named in the investigation was the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Johnny Hunt, who was reported 12 years ago by a pastor and his wife to have raped the wife on July 25th, 2010. The president. And they covered it up. Former Vice President Paul Pressler, who is one of the architects of the conservative resurgence that remade the modern Baptist church, he's now a defendant in a civil lawsuit brought by a man who alleges that Vice President Pressler started abusing him sexually when he was 14 years old. Two other guys have submitted separate affidavits accusing Judge Pressler of sexual misconduct. He's denied it. See, here's the deal. The Southern Baptist Convention did apologize to African-Americans for their pro-slavery past in 1995. They apologized for slavery 28 years ago. And in 2017, that's be five years ago, they adopted a resolution condemning white slavery. Five years ago. This is the biggest Protestant denomination in our country. This is 14 million Christians. And they've created a culture that consistently celebrates male power. That's it. Any religion that keeps women as second-class citizens and keeps celebrating male power, you're going to find a lot of sexual abuse and a lot of men covering up for other men. It's just the way the gender goes. Men should not be allowed to control religions, just like men should not be allowed to have easy access to guns. I trust women with guns. People say to me, you want to ban AR-15s? I'm like, for men, yes. Men have shown they are not responsible with with assault weapons. They're just not. Women? Yeah, I can trust women. So let women have all the AR-15s, all the Glocks, whatever they want. 22 years ago, in October of 2000, Jimmy Carter quit the Southern Baptists because of the church's stance on equality for women. 
He gave an interview and he said they keep reading the Bible out of context and they're increasingly rigid. He said, I'm familiar with the verses they have quoted about wives being subjugated to their husbands. In my opinion, this is a distortion of the meaning of Scripture. I personally feel the Bible says all people are equal in the eyes of God. I personally feel women should play an absolutely equal role in service of Christ in church. Because women should be. Jesus is the biggest feminist in the Bible. If you actually read the book, when Jesus is finally, well, first off, they say there was 12 apostles. There weren't. There were 15 apostles. Everywhere Jesus went, there was also uh, Mary Magdalene, um, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and Martha, the sister of Lazarus. There were 15 apostles. But the men who wrote the Bible said, no, no, no. No, there was 12 apostles and three groupies. Yeah, they they sold t-shirts at all the big gigs. JC, Holy Land Tour, final show, Golgotha, AD 33. When Jesus uh, is executed by the state, the only people who don't sell him out are the women. The only people who don't run away are the women. And when Jesus comes back in the story, you don't have to believe it, there's literal fact. When Jesus comes back, he reveals himself first to the women. But the men who have built these religions consistently have designed them to keep women as second-class citizens. And the Southern Baptist Church subscribes to this complementarian view of gender roles. Beginning in the early 70s, when they saw women's liberation happening, the SBC and many other Baptist groups began to assert this view that, that there were traditional gender roles. In 1973, at the annual meeting of their convention, they passed a resolution which read in part, Man was not made for woman, but the woman for the man. Woman is the glory of man. Woman would not have existed without man. And in the 2000 Baptist Faith and Message, they prescribe a husband head of the household authority structure following Paul's letter to Ephesians, uh, chapter 5, 21 to 33. The husband and wife are of equal worth before God since both are created in God's image. The marriage relationship models the way God relates his people. A husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He has the God-given responsibility to provide for, protect, and lead his family. A wife is to submit herself graciously to the servant leadership of her husband, even as the church willingly submits to the headship of Christ. She has the God-given responsibility to protect her husband and serve as his helper. Any organization that is hardwired to keep women as second-class citizens is going to have sexual abuse. Think about these other scandals we've seen. Think about Liberty University, one of the largest Christian universities in the world, Jerry Falwell Jr., who just resigned in disgrace after so many scandals, including sexual misconduct. And the ProPublic report said that the university discouraged and dismisses students' reports of sexual assault. Twelve students filed a federal lawsuit claiming that the university promoted a tacit but widely observed policy that condones sexual violence, especially by male student-athletes. And still, so many Christians are in denial. So I know what a lot of you are saying. Tax these motherfuckers, right? Tax them. And that's fine. Go ahead. Okay, tax them. If they're going to get political, get in the arena, tax them. But taxing them won't stop the abuse. Criminal investigations, well, that would be great. By the secular justice system, that'd be great too. But you're never going to see religion start acting in a healthy way as long as women are second-class citizens, as long as men feel privileged over the bodies and lives of women. These are the defenders of eliminating Roe versus Wade, the people who think women should be happy to be subservient to men, that women should not have body autonomy, even if they're children. So go ahead and end their tax exemption, but that, try it. It's not going to happen. They, like trying to end a tax exemption for religion, that's like trying to get gun control. They own too many politicians. Again, the Justice Department can open investigations. This would be great. But they shuffled abusive Catholic priests between these 
parishes without ever reporting them to the authorities. And, you know, the Boy Scouts were secretly protecting their pedophiles. Nobody believed the female gymnasts when they complained about the inappropriate touching on the Olympic team. Who was it that pulled First Nation children away from their families to abuse them in residential schools while they tried to Americanize them? Who was it that let wrestling and football coaches abuse boys, have women sign NDAs instead of going public with harassment claims? Guys, this is what power does. Power treats women as objects, and liberals are supposed to be the ones to stand up against this. Any organization that exalts men above women, uh, this is why I had to leave the Catholic Church. It wasn't because of the child rape. It wasn't because of the homophobia. It wasn't because of the sex hangups. It's because if you're trying to program women from childhood to believe they're second-class citizens, you have no right to call yourself a spiritual organization. And again, if they refuse to respect and include openly gay people, and if they're hung up on sex all the time, that's the Catholics, that's the Southern Baptists, a lot of great people in these religions, and they've done a lot of great things. But the threat to these faiths is not atheism, quite the opposite. They don't need to worry about atheists. They're an atheist factory. In November of 2020, the six Southern Baptist seminary presidents called critical race theory unbiblical just a year and a half ago, and they emphasized the need to turn the Christian teachings alone to confront racism. Only go by the Bible. At least four African-American churches left the denomination over their refusal to recognize critical race theory. <laughs> racism, white supremacy, misogyny, and sexism have always walked hand in hand. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I'm John Fugelsang, and I'm so thrilled to welcome our next guest. Anytime we can get Allison Gill to join us, we're thrilled. She's known to many as simply AG to her loyal listeners. She's a very successful author and public servant and broadcaster. Her first podcast, Muller, she wrote, she began out of her kitchen. When the government investigated the podcast, Trump had her fired, even though she'd been working for them for more than 11 years. She then became the host of The Daily Beans, which is a terrific woman-owned and operated progressive news podcast. I've been honored every time I could be there. And she has an op-ed right now in the Washington Post that is probably the most powerful and moral and intelligent thing you're going to read all month. It's called Overturning Roe Would Be Disastrous for the U.S. Military. Uh, I'll just read the first the first sentence. Overturning Roe v. Wade could have disastrous consequences for the U.S. Armed Forces, and here's how I know. When I was 21, I was drugged and raped violently while serving in the military, a crime that resulted in 
pregnancy. That's how she begins. What a great honor, as always, to welcome Allison Gill back to the show. Hello. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I thought of you when the Supreme Court opinion was leaked. And I just want to begin by praising you, as everyone else does, for your bravery and your service and the very fact that you would take this horrible thing and repurpose all that pain to help others. What made you decide to write this op-ed for The Washington Post? Well, that's I think you just hit the nail on the head. Um, it, it, this started back when SB8 went into effect in Texas, and I started to think about all of all of the people in in who are stationed in Texas, but you don't get to choose, you know, where you're stationed in the military and and anyone who might be in a similar predicament that I was in, because rape is very prevalent in the military, 20,500 or so in in 2018, up from up considerably uh, from 2016. And, you know, nearly half of the people who do report their rapes. Uh, also say that they had a bad experience reporting their rapes. So there's no safe place really to report your rape in the military. You can't just leave and travel out of state um, when you're in the military without getting approval from 10 different people. Uh, And, uh, and I just, my immediate thought went to, to all of those folks who now don't have access to abortion care and won't in more States when Roe is overturned this summer, uh, and how I, you know, I was able to to get that care and um, it see, so, you know, it saved my life. So that's immediately where my thoughts went. And so that's I just wanted to tell that story. I wanted to make sure that everyone still knows it's a prevalent issue in the military, that um, we still haven't passed the Military Justice Improvement Act, Senator Gillibrand's right. bill uh, that allows for us just a safe place to report and, and a couple of things I wanted to, you know, uh, just mention that the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, and the president can do. And, you know, in the meantime, to help mitigate what what I think would just be absolutely inhumane for people who are laying their lives on the line to defend our rights and having those very rights stripped away. Allison, uh, it, it was 2018, as you mentioned, that the DOD reported about 20,500 service members experienced sexual assault. Is that just the ones who reported it? I think that that is a aggregate number uh, and just the ones that were reported. Okay. Um, we don't have good data on on how many were not reported and not, you know, obvious for obvious reasons. I, I tried to report mine, uh, but ended up not filing a report because of uh, all the threats that that were presented to me if I filed one. So. Um, what happened? Uh, yeah. when you, what happened when you tried to report it? Oh, um, I was first of all, I was interrogated. I was asked all the uh, age-old victim-blaming questions, like "What are you wearing?" and "And were you drinking? Were you flirting?" I was asked. They asked me if I was in a fight with my boyfriend, um, and then they started telling me the perils of filing a false report. See, they don't want reports of rape and assault on you know, on their command, on their base. So the perils of filing a false report they threatened could be, I could be discharged dishonorably, lose my benefits, lose my school. I, they threatened me with court-martial saying that I could be court-martialed for adultery uh, because my rapist was married. And so they said, you know, why don't we just chalk this up to what it is, a bad decision on your part, just bad judgment. 
And I was terrified. And I, I, I was like, yeah, boy, it's my fault. Right. And I truly walked away from that encounter, believing it was my fault, which took 10, 15 years of therapy to undo and being terrified to, to tell anyone about it. But fortunately, uh, a silver lining was I could walk right out on of the gate and access abortion care to Planned Parenthood. And so many people aren't going to be able to do that anymore. What would have happened to you, Allison, as a member of our armed forces, if you hadn't been able to go to a Planned Parenthood, if, say, you lived in one of these states at the time, you were stationed in one of these states with a trigger law, where this right will be immediately taken away from women within 24 hours of a Supreme Court handing down a ruling, repealing row. What what would your situation have been? Well, had I been able to weather it mentally, uh, I would have been you know, forced to give birth uh, to my to my rapist baby. It would have put off my school. I might have lost the school. I don't really know what the implications would have been um, had I had to gone through with that, with having with having that baby. But the whole idea, I mean, you know, the rape alone uh, is was so traumatic that I almost didn't survive it. Um, mentally speaking, um, and the PTSD that it caused, severe PTSD, to further be forced to give birth, which is a terrorizing thought just in and of itself, but then also to have to give birth to and raise my rapist child, I don't think I would have been able to survive that particular situation. You have one of the best podcasts I've ever heard when it comes to making sense of the news. And, you know, I want to ask your thoughts about the Supreme Court leak, because it seems like the GOP narrative keeps shifting. You'd think they'd say, hey, guys, 42 years of working towards this. Let's have a victory lap. We're finally outlawed. We've been promising this to conservative people for years. I think they're terrified, Allison. I think they're terrified that, oh, my God, if this happens, we'll only have Mexicans to raise money and votes off of and not have abortion anymore, because the first week... They wouldn't talk about, hey, we won. It was all about who was the leaker? Who was the leaker? I haven't heard a single Republican ask who the leaker was in two weeks, which makes me think it was a conservative and they all know it. Then for a week, it was all about, oh, these protests going on outside of the justices' homes. Who gave Americans this right to petition the government for redress of grievances? Where is that written down? Uh, (laughs) And now this week, what I keep hearing is, well, even if it is outlawed in these states, you can still cross into other states and have it done, which, as you know, poor women cannot do. Poor women who already have children, because most of the people who get abortions are mothers, and and low-income women who are working and have children can't just cross the border into another state to have this procedure done. What has been your reaction toward the ever-shifting Republican Party narratives surrounding this, where no one seems to be saying, hey, we won this one? No one. No. And, and you know, that's, I think, indicative of 79 percent of, of voters wanting to keep Roe in place. Uh, it's, it's the it's the old age old story of the dog caught the car. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm with you. I think it was a conservative that leaked this. I think it was I mean, we we already know that uh, Jenny Thomas has a history of leaking deliberations. She doesn't like uh, mm-hmm. within the Supreme Court back in 2012 when she talked to. Uh, Well, it was alleged that she spoke to some reporters about deliberations on the Affordable Care Act that she didn't agree with. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, when we get the reporting from The Wall Street Journal and The Washington Post, who both mentioned a conservative close to the court who spoke on the condition of anonymity uh, when complaining about these deliberations. And, and it makes sense, right, that you would want to leak that to lock those votes in, because now after that leaked draft that we've read, that, that probably wasn't going to be the final draft. Now that we've read it, it's going to be extremely difficult for any of those uh, Kavanaugh, Barrett or Gorsuch who Roberts could talk over to come over to the other side to leave Roe in place, but allow for the 15 week ban. They won't. It's going to be much harder for them to switch their position now that everyone knows it. That is the argument that a conservative leaked it to lock the votes in place. And we still don't know where Roberts is going to come down. I, I do believe that Roberts is someone who is obsessed with his place in history and his reputation and um, and the fact that he's no longer the swing vote on the court. I'm terrified to think that Brett Kavanaugh could be uh, that that's how right this court has gone. But do you think there's any possibility that we'll see a scenario where they will uphold the Mississippi law and still keep Roe in place because politically this will be so bad long term for the Republican Party? Well, there's a non-zero chance of that, right? Because we've, for the one of the only times in history, seen a draft leaked before the actual decision came out, um, and which gives gives us a chance to uh, yeah, redress our grievances, <laughs> redress the protests with the government, air our grievances. Uh, in the meantime, um, I don't know. Uh, but regardless, even if they did keep Roe in place and allowed the 15 week ban to go into effect, it would still be disastrous for Roe because states would allow be allowed to then set their their ban at however many weeks they felt uh, it was, you know, that would work for them. Uh, but then, you know, to, to turn around and sort of hint at going after any right that has been secured since it's never happened. The beginning. Never happened in our lifetimes. We've never seen the Supreme Court take a right away from Americans ever. Yeah. And they won't stop at Roe. And I think the voters know that. And that's going to that throws a real huge wild card into a, 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 a two year incumbent midterm election that is normally goes, you know, in the loss column for the incumbent party. Big wrench. Yeah, really true. I'm I'm hopeful for that. You know, when you had your procedure done, mail order abortion medication wasn't available, was it? No, no. And even if it was, you know, I was on a nuclear power training command, very strict base uh, and and rightfully so. We were learning about, you know, how to run nuclear reactors. Um, so they inspect the mail and and that would I don't know if today that would be considered contraband or not. But generally, you can't get drugs in the mail if you're in the military. All drugs have to be prescribed by the military when you're in the military. Um but there are some things that they can do, for example, change the policy. So when you need leave, if you need health, you know, reproductive health care leave, it should just be automatically approved. You shouldn't have to go up through a chain of command and get six different people to, to OK it, especially the chain of command that still gets to make the decision about whether or not to prosecute sexual assault on the base. So right. uh, that's that's one thing we can do. And the other thing we can do is, is really push at least it's, you know, Senator Schumer and Jack Reed, Senator Jack Reed, to pass the Military Adjustment Justice Improvement Act that, that uh, Kirsten Gillibrand put forward. Now, they would have to call that to a floor vote, right? Yes, but they have 67 sponsors, so, co-sponsors on that bill. Plenty. So it seems like they could nail this right away. They could, except uh, Jack Reed uh, objected to unanimous consent because he wanted the bill to go through his committee and end up in the NDAA. Uh, and that's where it was gutted. 
So it, it can still come up to a floor vote. And I know Senator Gillibrand has tried to bring it up subsequently, but it's been blocked every time. And as you point out in your excellent piece in the Washington Post, I mean, this could just destroy the life of a woman right now in the armed forces. In a world without Roe, service members without ready access to abortion care would be trapped. What could Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, do to help these service members? Really, his hands are are largely tied, as are the president's, because of the Hyde Amendment. We can't spend a penny of taxpayer dollars on on abortion care. Um, So really, the only thing he could do is is what I'd mentioned, that policy about automatically approving leave for for reproductive health care needs. Now, there there is this. There is this school of thought, and I want to ask your opinion about this, because a lot of folks ask me, and I'm not as smart as you, but that um, what if somehow there was an executive order that authorized VA hospitals to make space for private civilian contractors who could then, by presidential order, terminate pregnancies on VA grounds, even in states where they repeal Roe. I mean, there's talk about could Indian reservations have clinics on them as well, if they're not bound necessarily by the actual state legislatures. Is that just wishful thinking, Allison? It it could be tested. Uh, It would be litigated. There would be arguments that the Hyde Amendment, by providing space, is you're providing a thing of value, and that's a taxpayer dollar thing. And that could, you know, you can't spend taxpayer dollars toward uh, toward that end. Yeah. Private, uh, private I, contractor, private, private, uh, medical personnel. Right. But you're using the space using on federal, federal, um, space. Right, right. Um, and, and that has value. Uh, but again, it's, it would, there, there's a very good argument to be made against it. Right. Uh, from, from our side, just like the argument that they would say, well, granting leave to military personnel, it also costs the, the, the government money. But are you spending or is it a cost? So, I mean, there are really good arguments to be made, I think. And uh, I, I would like to see that be attempted and litigated. But again, that is something that would end up going to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, and, and we know what they think. Um, hey, can I just shift gears a bit? I wanted to ask what you make of the ongoing situation in Russia. It seems really interesting seeing how even Russian state TV is allowing criticism of the war. We're seeing high-ranking military officials and diplomats openly not just condemn Putin's war on state TV, but be allowed to do that. There's so many rumors that there was an assassination attempt against Putin or that he's had blood cancer. Um, And I know that we're subject to our state propaganda, just like those folks over there are subject to their state propaganda, but no one thinks this is going really well. How do you think this ongoing atrocity is proceeding? Um, it's again, I mean, so, you know, from the beginning and you and I've talked about this, this is the worst mistake, uh, in history of, of Russian leadership, just the, the underestimation of the Ukrainian response, um, are, uh, that now we've got Finland and Sweden, uh, joining in NATO, Sweden who stayed out of world war one and world war two is like, we can't stay out anymore. Joining NATO, doubling the border, the NATO border on Russia, um, and, and uniting NATO in a way that, uh, has just been astounding. It's been ama- amazing the way that the, that NATO has come together against this, but it's, it's really bad. And, I, you know, I try to sort of float above the, you know, blood cancer. Is there, you know, yeah, trying to figure out 
what's real and what's not because there's so much propaganda. But like you said, that amazing uh, interview uh, on Russian state TV of the, of the descent yeah. uh, of Putin's war, the guy who from the UN mission who that uh, guy, resigned. Yeah. Bar- Boris Bondarev. I mean, this is amazing. Yeah. He's senior diplomat. He's been part of their permanent mission to the UN. He resigned today. He said, for 20 years of my diplomatic career, I have seen different turns of our foreign policy, but never have I been so ashamed of my country as on February 24th, the aggressive war unleashed by Putin is not only a crime against the Ukrainian people, but also perhaps the most serious crime against the Russian people with a bold letter Z crossing out all hopes and prospects for a prosperous free society in our country. How does a guy like that not get polonium poisoning within a week? I'm, I'm shocked to see this kind of public dissent towards Putin. Yeah. And I think maybe people feeling a little freer to voice their concerns in sort of maybe a he can't come after us all. And and right now, it seems like the people he would send after these guys are also mad at Putin. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm- you know, I it seems like a it, to me, it, the like the the walls are closing in the, his 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 oligarch you know, um, brigade seems to be crumbling a little. I mean, I would have loved to have seen this kind of solidarity against the U.S. invasion and occupation of Iraq. But I want to play a really quick clip. This is A4. This is General Mark Milley today saying communication channels have actually reopened between the U.S. and Russian militaries. The secretary has all of us in this building uh, throughout the military focused on managing risk and the potential for escalation. We are watching this factor very, very closely. Uh, and we have been able to open, reopen communications at the military to military level, as you know, uh, and I made a call to my Russian counterpart. I don't share the contents and detail of that discussion, but that it was done is important and it was purposeful and worthwhile. Just the fact that they're talking publicly about military diplomacy between the U.S. armed forces and the Russian forces, that that speaks volumes, doesn't it? That's cause for hope. I, I think so. It really does. Uh, there's no longer that wall of, of absolute support for Putin. And uh, to be able to for for General Milley, Joint Chiefs, military leadership to be having discussions with Russian military uh, is is a crucial step. I think uh, in because that when you open the communications between Russia and the United States military, you're opening communication between Russia and NATO, the military and and NATO. So that's just so important. And and I I imagine it's because there, you know, uh, so many people around Putin now are like, boy, this is just backfiring in the most incredible fashion. We have to how do we save ourselves? How do we. What is our off ramp? Do you know? Yeah, Um, it's going to be uh, interesting in the coming weeks to find out how that plays out. And just today, the latest defection, Starbucks. After 15 years, 130 stores, 2000 Russian employees, Starbucks is pulling out of Russia. They're going to lose their speed, Allison. I mean, people are going to be cranky. I just people. Ikea has pulled out of Russia. I mean, these folks can look around and see what's happening. And I think a lot of the Russian people have kind of enjoyed having these Western businesses in their cities for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I I think they also see it as kind of a something's not right. Um, I imagine there are a lot of Russians who are like, well, this is the West punishing us for being awesome. Uh, But I think I think there's there's a lot of uh, Russians who are also like "Mm, something and something doesn't smell right. 
Allison, it is always such a great pleasure to see you and sp- talk with you. You're consistently the smartest kid in class. What is the best way for our listeners? Oh, and one more thing. I just forgot. I just want to mention this because I, I, I've, I've talked about this on the air before and on our TV show that over 100,000 men have been sexually assaulted in the U.S. Armed Forces in recent decades. And we don't talk about that enough. I mean, those are just the ones we know about, that there's a lot, a shocking amount of rape against men. And just the fact that men would report it is amazing. And of course, these men are not going to ever need an abortion. But this is a problem in our military that I, I keep hoping there'll be a reckoning. Donald Trump was just so in the opposite direction. And I thought his he, he his just refused to refusal to lead on it and just blame letting women into the armed forces be the reason for the rapes that alone should have disqualified him from the presidency yeah and not only that but his cavalier attitude about assaulting women himself yeah um, it just sort of gives people the feeling like it's okay uh you know that that uh it it, it emboldens people to act badly as, as we have seen with white supremacy and the rise of, of of white nationalism incidents in the united states and that's bad for national security if this is all just bad for national security and military readiness and i'm glad that you brought up the men because they do and they reported a much lower rate yeah um, and and that that also needs to be addressed and 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 is partially addressed in that military adjustment improvement a military justice improvement act so i really hope uh, that they take a second look at that in the senate what's giving you hope allison <sighs> in general in general um, well, let's see i i i'm always i i guess i'm just a, a hopeless optimist when it comes to when it comes to our democracy and I'm looking forward to the January 6th hearings uh, that are going to start on June 9th. And I also have a, I have a little ray of hope down there in Fulton County, Georgia, with a district attorney, Fonnie Willis, investigating uh, Trump's interference in the election down there. That gives me a little bit of hope for accountability. Um, and, I, you know, I'm just trying to hold on to what's going to happen in the midterms and beyond. And honestly, what the thing that keeps me going is the community that of, of our listeners that we have, my uh, fellow broadcasters in arms like you, um, just continuing to, to deliver the news and help get people out to vote in the midterms. That's what, that's what gives me hope is this community. Allison Gill hosts The Daily Beans. It's one of the few political podcasts I will tell you you have to subscribe to. It will make you smarter and a better person, and I ain't lying. Her essential new piece in The Washington Post is called Overturning Roe Would Be Disastrous for the U.S. Military. What's the best way for our evil army of the night to follow you in your work? Evil Army of the Night. You can follow me on Twitter at Muller, she wrote, or at Allison Gill. And you can see uh, any number of, of amazing news, justice and politics podcasts that we do over at MSWmedia.com. Allison, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We will be right back with your calls. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's go to Jackie in Georgia. Jackie, what's it looking like in your state? Well, it looks pretty good, John. My problem is I, uh, I'm going to go to the polls tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I'm a lifelong Democrat. Mm-hmm. But in Georgia, you get uh, two, two ballots. You can get a uh, Democratic ballot or a Republican ballot. If, if I get a Democratic ballot, that's a pretty well given me who's going to win in that. It's almost like you're throwing your vote away. But mm. a Republican ballot, look at all the fun going on there. Oh. I absolutely hate Kemp, and I can't stand Purdue. I know. I, and I live, I live in Georgia's 14th district, which is uh, Green's district. And I'm lucky. I live off the Zell Mill Highway. Oh, God. Yeah, right. (laughs) I wish there wasn't Dixie. Wow. So anyhow, if if you was in my place, living in a double wide up in North Georgia, and you walked into the uh, the vote tomorrow, and you was going to get a Republican ballot, who would you vote for to hurt? Everybody. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it does. Because I mean, um, if you were going to do it, like, what would you do? I mean, he, here's the thing. Like, do you think Marjorie Taylor Greene helps the Republicans more than she hurts them? Or does she help Democrats? I, every time she opens her mouth, I feel like a Democrat gets a vote or raises money off of her. And I'd much rather have Marjorie Greene there making life hell for Kevin McCarthy than having an effective, quiet, sane Republican voting the same way. Well, yeah, that that makes sense. But do you agree? There's really there's no need to get a democratic, a Democrat ballot because for tomorrow everybody's going to win. You yeah, know, I mean, I mean everybody Abrams I want, Stacey uh, Abrams going to Warnock. Everybody's yeah. going to win there. Why not go to the Republican ballot and and screw and it up? See for if them. you can make mischief or just get it out of your system. But I just I I dislike both of them. Well, I, but then that case, I would. So much. I, but in that case, then I would go and I would vote for Purdue because I think that Kemp could beat Stacey Abrams, but I think Purdue is unelectable. So I would have some fun with that. Herschel Walker is going to cruise to a to, to this nomination, and I'm terrified. Now we're in this period where these dumb right wing former jocks like Tuberville in Alabama are just going to be able to sail into office on virtue of their 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 athletic record. I mean, Herschel Walker is crazy and he's kind of, he, he makes me embarrassed to have head injuries. He's done so many awful things and he's lied about so many things. I, I have sympathy for anybody who struggles with, with mental illness. He's talked very openly about his mental illness, but I think he's just going to cruise to this nomination. I don't think he's going to beat Reverend Warnock. Do you? Well, I, I, I hope not, but it, it... John, it makes it awful hard to run around saying go dogs anymore. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, I think there's there's there, there there's not a ton of black folks in your state, I'm guessing, who would want to vote for Herschel Walker over Reverend Warnock. And I can imagine there's some Caucasian folks in your state who wouldn't want to vote for Herschel Walker. So that makes me feel like Reverend Warnock might be in a good position. Well, I, I hope so. And He's such the, a good guy. The, the area I, I vote in is like 80... 
80% white. The 14th, 14th district is the is the most conservative district they say east of the Mississippi, and it is very conservative. Yeah. Do you think so, that Do you think that Marjorie so Taylor life. will Marjorie Taylor Green hang on to her congressional yeah, seat? I think so. I, I think, think so too. They, uh, they they all yeah yeah. <laughs> Don't if you they, think if they sent her in the first place, she did what they sent her there to do. Yeah, she she's kind of a newcomer, and I never heard of her before she ran. She came from another district over to the 14th district, but it's it's been a, a, a Republican district from day one. I hear you. It's going to well, be I fascinating. Think, well, yeah, I just wanted to get your advice, John. Well, thank you. Please, Jackie, give us a call and let us know how your voting goes and what it's like at the polls. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. What a pleasure to hear from you. <laughs> 